ACAST. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. How to sell against the status quo? I'm glad you asked that question. Hi, this is Alan Meyer for Sales is Easy podcast. My career took me to all six continents to deliver sales training uh, to over 120 different uh, nationalities and people from, from all over the world. And I was lucky to, to deliver also a topic uh, that is very close to my heart about resilience and emotional intelligence for salespeople. But uh, what we try to do with Sales is Easy podcast is to simplify and demystify the sales process and help you with learning the formula to overcome setbacks and make sales truly easy. I firmly believe when done by a skilled professional, sales is easy. In today's topic, uh, I would like to actually talk about how to sell against the status quo. When does the status quo win? And uh, when status quo is no longer possible. And of course, ultimately, what are the ways to sell against the status quo? Now, let me start with this. Many salespeople, they still live in their comfort zone uh, to, 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 to try to go through their career, through their days. But it's important to get out of our comfort zone to succeed. Comfort zone is... Uh, place where salespeople resist change. There's no fear. It's risk-free. It's safe. You get by. It's easy to do. And like one of colleagues I know, he worked in sales for 20 years and he was actually proud to say, you know, I, I, I know everything about sales. But what he actually was saying, he, he learned everything about sales in his first or second year and then he was just repeating it. He stayed in his comfort zone. And it's in 21st century, we cannot do that, of course. We need to get out of it. Every time when you start learning something new, you are exiting your comfort zone. If you want to learn Japanese language, for example, you need to exit your comfort zone because you need to learn the rules. It's uncomfortable. It's totally different than any Western writing. So you have to be open to, to try something new. That's your learning zone. And, you know, exploring new things. You can pursue different goals and different missions, visions. There are some fears and risks involved. But it's still the, the fear of uh, doing something new should be less than the advantages of learning something. And there is a panic zone where you go too far. It's too tough to do. For example, if somebody tells you, forget what you know about sales. I have one book or one training and that's all you need to be successful in sales. It can be very uncomfortable. If you're 20 years in sales, somebody tell you, forget about your experience and now do it my way. But uh, if you are in a panic mode, if somebody takes you too fast, too far, you will block any kind of development. So that's about salespeople. But 
Funny thing is, same three circles, it's uh, what your customers have. They live in their comfort zone and they resist change. No fear, it's risk-free, it's safe, they get by, they do, they do their projects, they do things what they're doing, it's easy to do, life is good. And then salesperson walks in, tries to be too friendly, too fast, and it takes people to panic mode. Especially if you talk to introverts and you feel like you should be outgoing, upbeat, salesperson, very positive, and you... you you hit the wall with, with introverts. And I'm a big introvert. I wrote a book about selling for introverts. It was like eight, nine years ago. And check it out. It's an interesting small book. If you want to get it for free, I can send it to you. Just reach out to me via LinkedIn or, or emails or anything uh, that uh, it's, it's good for you. But it's all about understanding other side. And if you take your customers, if you tell them like whatever solution, whatever setup you have of your network, of your, of your products, right? It's not good to have something that's revolutionized everything. It's going to be great. It's amazing. Yeah, like some people will think about it. It's, it's too fast, too far. Forget about it. Or if you want to be friends with somebody who doesn't like to be friends with vendors, it's also panic mode for them. It's too tough for them to do. And they will block any initiative from your side. So you have to find the sweet spot between comfort zone and panic zone. It's a learning zone or it's your performance zone, basically. But where you try to open customers to new possibilities, explore new things. Maybe they're not crazy about revolutionizing the, their systems or revolutionizing the way how they do things. Maybe they just like to evolve, improve where they are. So, you know, enlarging the circle of the current knowledge. And you can help them with pursuing their goals and their visions. Of course, there are fears and there are risks involved. But you have to be observant how to really uh, know, how to really be a, a, a prof- master the, of the customer conversation. When you engage customers in dialogue, how to master this conversation. And it's all about taking customers from their comfort zone to learning zone. But be really observant. If you take them too far, they start panicking and they start uh, not replying to your emails or worse, uh, they are ignoring you completely. Now, what status quo means? When I ask this in a training, usually answers are like uh, staying where you are, doing things this, the same old way. But uh, there are four ways when customers follow uh, what customers follow during the status quo stage. First, they do nothing. They don't see a, there's a high priority of what you're offering or the cost of doing nothing. It's simply not understood from their point of view. They don't understand they could also lose money or that other competitors are actually three steps ahead. So they do nothing. That's when, you know, status quo wins. They have maybe internal solution. There's no change to current solution. Whatever they had, they don't need to change. Life is good. It's, you know, the, the expression, non-vendor is uh, better than unknown vendor. So if, if they're satisfied with their vendor, three out of five, and they don't know you, maybe they'll stick with what they have. Of course, uh, if they have, uh, uh, they have existing supplier, if they have a vendor agreement that's five year long and they're in year two, guess what? Penalties are too high to, to, for them to even think to, to actually change the vendor. Or if you're willing to step in and pay these penalties, yeah, then, then maybe they'll think about it. And there is another way, hybrid or patchwork solution. They have some combo of supplies. They do it internally. They have different vendors. So there's a mix of things. And life is basically, life is good. So what status quo is actually meaning, it, the customers often see this status quo as a safety net. It's very comfortable place to be. You know, no effort to change the daily routine. If you speak with lower management or lower levels, life is good. I have a really good example with one of my customers saying that uh, that was a customer in Brazil who actually, whatever the, the vendor offered, he said, no, 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 your competitor is better than this. The competitor is better. Your competitor is better. And what was actually when he started digging 
through after the training uh, i follow up with this guy with this salesperson and he started digging through and this was not about the vendor the products are better or somebody has a much superior solution it was simply this guy didn't want to change anything because he was waiting two years for his retirement to kick in so life is good i don't need new vendors i don't need to evaluate new technology new solutions new nothing it's very comfortable for that person to stay where he is but the problem is what if he's a decision maker right how can you change this well it's we are not in job to change people right we try to to explain to them the benefits of dealing with us but if they don't want to change you are not you cannot change them so in this case actually this salesperson went around this 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 manager above him and there was ultimately uh, he was pressured from top executives to start evaluating other solutions not to lose the the piece of the market now, there are three phases of status quo. Comfort, curiosity, and concern. Comfort when things are well. Change is not necessary. Life is good. Curiosity, you know, executives are interested to l- learn more, to know more. But, you know, send me something, don't sell me anything, right? They are not really willing to consider change. So basically, you're sowing the seeds in their mind that things can be done easier, cheaper, faster, saving money, making more money, get bigger revenue, uh, cutting the expenses, whatever goals they have. Let me stop here for one quick second. My definition of sales is helping others reach their goals. Whatever goals they may have. CFO, he wants to reduce expenses. I'm on with it. Uh, VP of sales, he wants to book more meetings. I'm helping you with that. Uh, I don't know, CTO, if he, he or she is actually uh, wanting to evaluate new technology to see how he can have a faster network or faster setup or something, I'm here to help you with that, to find the, the right solution for it. So curiosity is good, but it's not going to take you all the way. And there is a third phase, concern, when they feel like they need to stop bleeding. The, the competitors took over extra 3% of the market in this year, or customers are leaving it because of somebody else offered better or cheaper solution. So they have a risk, sense of risk. It's, it's increased. They're forced to take action. Now, when does the status quo actually win? The first biggest point is you are not fighting. Harvard Business Review had an interesting study I read a few, few months ago that you, in a bigger, complex sales environment, you're not losing against your competitors. You're losing against status quo. And when does the status quo win? When they customers, they actually put you in a commodity box. When they say all vendors are alike. So they basically try to squeeze you and every other competitor of yours in the same box. And then if you are commodity, then the price or other smaller things will be differentiated. But basically, they don't want to, to say that your product A, it's better than product B. It's all the same. It's like buying shoes, buying cars. And that's the worst thing that for salesperson because we need to constantly fight back to get out of that commodity box. Next point is, they see the, any new solution very costly. It's challenging to implement it. They don't have a force. They don't know what to do. Uh, they had a you know, previous vendor, one throw to choke if something goes wrong. How about with you? It's challenging and it's, it can be also many times just an excuse not to do something because they are again in their comfort zone. Th- there's maybe an internal uh, personal factor that can actually win against your, your solution or your offer, your proposal. They have a fear they have a fear of risk of change. They don't want to change things. Things are okay. Life is good. I don't need new promise. I don't need my phone to ring two in the morning and somebody uh, from executives yelling at me. So maybe it's on a personal level. They have a fear of risk of change. Or status quo, last point would be 
Well, guess what? Somebody brought your competitors in the company and they will mobilize all the support they have for the existing vendor or they will pay, play you basically just to get a better deal uh, from the existing vendor, some extra discounts or extra benefits. So you have to be observant. You have to ask yourself, did they try to put me in a commodity box or they see it's challenging to implement? How can I simplify that? Or very expensive and I don't see the benefits or ratio or why it's not clearly position or they have a personal fear of changing anything if they deal with somebody for five ten years it's almost like a marriage like life is okay let's just move on and the fourth one it's you know how big is this the support for the existing vendor so observe this four 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 ways when the status quo will win now when status quo will no longer be possible First and foremost, I would say trigger events are happening. I wrote a book about trigger events in 2007, and it started a whole <laughs> subgenre of, of books about trigger events. But uh, uh, the, the trigger events are events that might uh, trigger the opportunity for you. For example, new CFO comes on board. What CFO is going to do first? He or she wants to prove their value. So there will be new broom. They will try to evaluate every contract, try to find a way how to save money, make money, whatever it is. But the trigger events are happening. It could be internal trigger events inside the company, or it could be external trigger events outside, like a pandemic or new regulations or, or, or something like that. It's external to company, market changes, right? So observe the trigger events because if, if they actually go through merge, if they are going through really bad last quarters, they need to change something. Otherwise, they will shut the door. So they need help. In my sales training world, I love more customers who have problems with their sales results than people or companies who are doing well. Because if life is well, you know, maybe not, not ready to invest to be even better. But if they have a problem, they need training, they need new strategies, how to develop resilience of the sales force, how to uh, overcome obstacles or answer questions and really penetrate deeper and uh, how to book more appointments, how to qualify customers, potential customers faster, etc., etc., etc. So observing your trigger events, when things are happening, things are changing, guess what? There's no longer way, there's not, no longer chance the status quo will stay there. Next one is if executive, if, for example, I work with one uh, CEO who was really engaged into the discovery conversation. He didn't want to delegate this. He wanted to be in each every meeting and he asked millions of relevant questions. And if he was engaged, guess what the lower level executives or, or managers will do? They need to be engaged because if big boss is in, they need to be in as well. And maybe they have new executive leadership, maybe new CFO, CTO, whoever it is, new owner, whatever it is, and they want to change, they want to, they realize whatever brought them where they are right now, it's not going to take them to the next stage. So they are supporting change. Or, of course, uh, if you as a vendor are developing internal champions and sponsors, of course, you try to put, find a way in to, to get your foot into the door. And of course, if you're doing this, maybe even your competitors are doing the same thing. So be observant, be careful. Don't allow your competitors to jump in. If you have a good account, always feel the pulse, what's happening to know if somebody else is trying to sneak in. Now, the, if Henry Ford said uh, 100 years ago, if I ask people what they want, they would say, we want faster horses. Yes, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, he could not, he couldn't make a horse faster, but he could make something else, a car. So same thing with you. Think about it. Uh, you know, are you really understanding the customer and their mindset and their issues, their challenges, their worries and their goals and missions and visions? And then 
what can you do to really sell against the status quo? So there are three points I would like to make how to sell against the status quo. First, you have to identify, is there a pain behind the change? Is there fear behind any change? What kind of fear are we talking about here? Is it individual fear? Is it corporate fear? Fear? Is it some a bad experience from other vendors that try to avoid? So there is always this side of the coin where there are fears and pains and you need to uncover this, discover it to be able to move your potential customers to the next stage. Next one is, of course, we need to talk with your customers about the consequences of doing nothing. And this is one thing that uh, rarely salespeople do well. You can use insights. You can use some kind of guidance. So you can use any proofs like a case studies or white papers or or anything to show that, that there are consequences of doing nothing. But also, the second side of the coin is, do you really understand what's the mission, vision, mission and vision for the next quarter, next year, next five years? You know, that's the other side of the coin. There are uh, pains and fears, but there are goals and aspirations. And if you take some time in the early stages of any project, of any sales activity with that specific customer of yours, if you take your time to really understand what fears they have and what goals they have, then you are paying attention to both sides of the coin. And if, they, if you understand the pain and fear, then you have to also tell them there is a cost of doing nothing. If you stay, stay static, guess what? Your competitors will jump over you. They take a piece of the market. And of course, about the goals, visions, and, and opportunities, of course, if you understand that, then you can speak in the right language with them to show them how you can help them fuel that fire that burns and takes them to the next stage. But one point and the last point I would like to make is how to sell against the status quo. Of course, you know how to engage their rational state of mind. I'm talking about individuals you're dealing with. Not if you have five executives, you have to understand their rational and logic, what's in it for them on an individual level. But one thing that you will see rarely is uncovering their emotional or personal reasons. Let me put it this way. Why do you do the job that you're doing right now? Think about it. What's your reason? Why do you do the job that you're doing right now? Same thing, whatever reason it is, you know, you want to make money, you want to get promoted, you want to get the bonus, you want to keep the job, you don't want to lose job because it's middle of pandemic. Whatever it is, these are your personal reasons. Same thing is, maybe you're dealing with the biggest corporations in the world or small mind, pa shops, doesn't matter, you're dealing with humans. And you're not dealing with, IBMs of the world or Apples of the world or Teslas of the world, you're dealing with people who work for those corporations and they have emotional reasons, they have personal reasons. I'm not saying they will love you or hate you. It's not about that. It's a personal reasons why they do what they're doing. Do they want to get promoted? Do they want to get pat on the back? Do they want to get bonus? Do they want to keep their job or finish the project or, or just fulfill the KPIs they have in front of them? Whatever it is, once you uncover the rational and once you uncover the personal reasons, you'll be able to speak to both sides of their brain and then you will be able to properly engage them so to to have 100% of their attention because you are trying to address what's important to them and that's the hot button we need to work on what is important to the individual you are dealing regularly with not just the account not the company but individual level if you uncover this properly you will be able to talk and to engage them and basically move them from status quo to the next stage, to the discovery phase. 
I hope this was interesting to you. I could talk about this for hours, but uh, let's finish the podcast right now. If you have any comments, feel free. Go to salesiseasy.com website, send me your comments uh, or reach, reach out via LinkedIn, find the page and the comment there. I'll be really intrigued to hear what are your thoughts, how you sell against the status quo. What are your tricks of the trade? What are the ways how you handle the challenges that uh, every salesperson experience, you know, fighting against the status quo, not fighting against your competitor, that's easier, but really moving your customers out of their comfort zone and take them not too fast, not too far to panic mode, take them to the comfort uh, from the comfort zone to learning zone where they are at least open to have a continuous conversation with you and your company uh, i can only say thank you for listening please subscribe to this podcast in the upcoming weeks we're going to bring lots of stuff about uh, resilience mental toughness for salespeople, how to fill the funnel with some quality good stuff and uh, please subscribe and uh, let me know your thoughts and uh, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. This is Alan Meyer for Celsius Easy Podcast. One thing I want to add with happy selling. Thanks. Thank you for listening. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast. Back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock band like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Electric acid. Are you a fan of classic cinema or a young person who wants to discover the best films of all time? Do these legendary movies still hold up? On the Generation Film Podcast, two guys who grew up when movies dominated the culture share a great film with a panel of young movie lovers and see how it plays for today's generation. We discuss changes in storytelling styles, representation, the making of each film, its initial reception, and how its meaning has changed over the years. Join us as we explore cinema classics across generations on Generation Film. Electric acid. Electric acid.